They say video killed the radio star, but I think video also killed this podcast crew's faith in my movie picks. Sean on video horror on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Video files and welcome to episode 212 of Attack of the Killer podcast. We will be discussing the very unique genre of horror films shot on video. What is that? What that is, is this video you speak of? <laughs> See, kids, long time ago, <laughs> there was these things called VCRs or video cassette recorders. Anyway, um, so how we do this here on attack of the killer podcast is we pick a topic. We discuss three movies within the topic and now we're all friends here uh, on the show. So we talk as if we were just hanging out talking about movies. So there's more than likely going to be spoilers. So I'm warning you now, because if you haven't seen these movies before, you do not want them spoiled for you. And you don't want to see them just a heads up. That, that, that'll be debated later. No, you'll wish you would only hear us talk about it instead of having to watch it. That we'll discuss it. Uh, so, and I'm a huge fan of this genre movies that are shot on video. And so it was really hard for me to narrow it down to just three, but I believe that I picked three amazing films for this topic. Now, if you want to be an attacker, an official supporter of, of the show and a member of, of Attack of the Killer podcast, you can by going to jointheattackers.com. That's J O I N T H E A T T A C K E R S dot C O M. P. If you become a <laughs> if you become a supporter of the show, you can get all kinds of cool stuff, extra content, ex- and, and stuff that's exclusive to you guys, the attackers. So Again, go to J O I. If you can't get enough, go to that website. Join the attackers. All right, fine. So <laughs> now it is time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He prefers grainy, blurry pictures with white noise on the audio over that 4K nonsense. Jason. Hey, yo, everybody. What's up? What's up? Thanks for listening and. Just apologize in advance. Notice he didn't argue because he really didn't listen to his intro. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) That's messing up this audio. (laughs) Uh, He's going to sit around a campfire or in a dark room and tell us an urban legend as a way to give us the whole story and plot without actually showing anything. Tad. Hi. (laughs) Hello. Hello. And lastly, a man who has please be kind and rewind on his family crest, Andy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hi. I believe that. <laughs> rewind that shit. That's right. Oh, just real quick. I'm so excited. Brandy and I went garage sale shopping here a couple couple weekends ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And found what i've always wanted in my life one of those race car 
VHS rewinders. We have one. So cool. You you hunt and you hunt and you finally get lucky and find one. I know. It's awesome. And it was relevant, so that's why I brought it up. So um it's time for that segment to what we watched. But first I want to mention our sponsor, Shudder. Shudder, it's the Netflix for horror. And it's my favorite streaming service for all things horror. And will probably get mentioned several times during what we watched. Um, you can keep up with what we watched on Shudder and get the first month for free. Thanks to your good good buddies here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. Just enter our promo code AOTKP and you'll get a month of Shudder on us. But now here's Tad with the segment, What We Watched. Welcome to What We Watched, where we do a roundtable discussion about what we've watched that doesn't pertain to this episode. I'm just going to go first, because I never get to go first. So uh, <laughs> I've watched I've watched quite a bit, but I'm going to keep it short as I try to every time um, and pick out some highlights. I watched the new ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, Be Water, about Bruce Lee. Me too. Oh, wow. Fan- fantastic. Really well done. Uh, sort of a... A, a tearjerker uh, pulls on the heartstrings because his story is very sad and tragic. And it, I mean, it's also a lot of great uplifting stuff too, but how it ends, we all know sort of how it ends. Um, but definitely check that out. If you have ESPN plus it's on there. If you just have ESPN, you can watch it on demand. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, of course, watched all the Joe Bob stuff. So we, we finally got to see Hogzilla. We could do a whole episode on that. Uh, that was very bad, but, perfect for his show because of what it was and yeah. they uh packaged it with scare package which was another premiere on shutter which was a lot of fun a lot of uh short short horror make horror filmmakers that we know from our film festival circuit uh got together and made a new anthology that's fantastic and it happens to have joe bob in it too so it was a very joe bob night saw the new hulu uh into the dark episode i guess you called episode it's a new movie um, called Good Boy, and it has Judy Greer, and it's very simple plot. Basically, she adopts a dog. Turns out the dog is not just any normal dog; it is a very protective monster dog. Uh, everybody around her starts to end up dead, and they're not sure why. And well, I won't spoil the end, but it's that's what you get from the trailer. So I'm not spoiling anything, but. It's very simple, very fun. I'm a dog lover, so the movie is a lot of fun for me, and I just like Judy Greer. Um, Pat's not selling it. What he forgot to say is it stars also stars Steve Gutenberg. <gasps> Sold. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of fun. Mahoney's in it. All right. I liked it. Yeah, you think of it's it's sort of a monster movie, but with a adorable little dog that uh, has more to him. What was his name? I forget. It's like uh, something adorable. It's like waffles or something. Like <laughs> nibbles. It's, na- it's named after like a food that she that the dog eats or something. I think uh, eats off. I don't know. That that's neither here nor there. Um, I revisited one of my favorite movies for another podcast. It follows. I could probably watch that every couple of months. I just love that movie. 
revisited Who Framed Roger Rabbit on oh, Disney wow. Plus. It's been a long time since I saw that, but I watched the prop culture episode of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and man, I haven't seen seen that since I was a kid. It's sort of one of those movies where you you're like, yeah, I remember that movie, and then. You're, you, the more you think about it, it's like the less you realize it's like, yeah, I don't really know what the hell that's about. I haven't seen it in so long. I don't really remember anything. So Nikki and I rewatched it. It's not, doesn't really hold up that great, but it's, uh, it's definitely something, a, a big part of pop culture, an important part of movie history. I would say it's crazy to sort of see the Disney characters and the Looney Tunes, all of those different animated characters all in one movie. Like the licensing must've been a nightmare. That's all I can think when I watch it. And then <laughs> little, just little. Cr- what were you saying? Well, I was going to say uh, a little fun fact. Uh, Roger Rabbit was actually murdered in the book. Yeah, they talk a little bit about that in the prop culture thing, the history of how the character was animated. And I, I really did not know any of the backstory about it until I watched this episode. And it didn't make it any less creepy that this like goofy rabbit's married to a hot redhead, but uh, yeah. yeah, the movie, a lot of it just doesn't make much sense, but uh, it's still a fun watch. I mean, everybody's seen it, so I don't have to go on about that. Uh, the other ones I have watched uh, revisited love and mercy, the biopic about Brian Wilson. Absolutely love that movie. It was Brian's birthday on Saturday. So I popped it on about two in the morning and, kept me going, didn't fall asleep. I love that movie. Highly recommend it. And the last one I watched was last night. I watched uh, scream queen, my nightmare on Elm street, which is on shutter, the documentary about the making of nightmare two. Have you guys watched that yet? I did. Yes. I, 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 I also yet. did. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. And it's, it's like, I see a lot of people I know from the horror community in it. And yeah, mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's another sad one, but uh, there's a lot of really good information in it, and it's very engaging, and it makes me miss conventions and seeing my friends. So, yeah, it sure yeah. does. But that's what I watched. I'm going to kick it over to Mike. What have you watched? Well, um, I do watch the Joe Bob Joe Bob stuff, and this will be the last episode for a while. You'll hear us say that because. Uh, until next month. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that soon. The they're, summer yeah, one. They're doing month? a summer one in July. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hooray. Awesome. I thought it was going to be later than that, but <clears throat> I knew the summer thing was coming up, but uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring it up because, um, it was awesome getting to watch hellbound hellraiser two again. I haven't watched that in so long. There's so much. I've forgotten about that movie and I think I've said it, all my life, but uh, I'm going to say it here again. I think I like two better than one. Absolutely. I've always yeah. thought that too. My my only complaint is like Pinhead and the Cenobites get taken out by the Cenobite Doctor way too easily, way too quick. But, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, those movies aren't. Yeah, but you want to jump to be up. Freddy versus Jason. You want to jump up and cheer because Pinhead is like, you know. He's he just realizes and, and he's a badass and he's like a formidable you know uh, opponent. Like right when he walks in and you see him turn his head, you're just like as a viewer, especially when I first saw it, I'm just like, oh man, this guy fucked up now. 
you know, and then, and then of course, you know, he gets taken out way too quick, which I agree. But I was just like, that's like a, that's like one of my, my, one of oddly enough, one of my favorite horror movie moments is when he's like, finally, he realizes he wasn't always this Cinnabite person. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's like pivotal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, again, you know, I guess, I guess mainly just for eye candy's sake, it's a bummer that the, that fight scene is so non, you know, action, you know, it's like yeah, it's they, under, the underwhelming out so freaking easy yeah. by a guy who's been a Cinnabite for like two seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but there's still a lot of cool stuff in that, in that scene, that whole, you know, it, I, it just never realized I had forgotten, I guess, just how much performance Doug Bradley puts into that moment with no dialogue, just him realizing that he was this guy in this picture and all that stuff. And then you get the cool visuals of what all the Cenobites looked like when they were human. And my favorite being that chatter chatterbox was a yeah. small kid. Yeah. He's a little boy. Yeah. yeah. On Twitter. I said it was Devin Sawa. <laughs> And, and he liked and, your tweet. Yeah, and Devin saw I liked the tweet. Oh no, nice. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It was. Um but, but so yeah, I love I love that movie. Um man, I just so much I had forgotten about it. But uh, I think my favorite part of that whole experience is Joe Bob just trying to figure out what the hell is going on in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, it did take me out for a second because he's asking Doug and it's clear that they it sort of took out the illusion that they sit and actually watch a movie because Doug was like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. he's like, he's like, I don't remember. And it's like, you know, where he's supposed to be giving off the impression that they they're sitting there watching it. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously they can't make the guests sit there for two hour, two and a half hours while he watches the movie and talks. They probably give them notes or tell them to watch it ahead of time and stuff. But it was funny. Cause Doug was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Still, still awesome. And then like hell comes Frogtown. I hadn't seen that in forever either. So that, that was fun. Getting to yeah, watch almost that every week this year, there was like one I've seen and then one I haven't. So I've learned, I've seen a lot of new stuff. I'd never seen hell comes to Frogtown. Oh, nice. So that was new. Yeah. And like, I, I, I kind of forgot, like, honest, honestly, if you watch that guy's other movies, the director who, who made that movie, watches other movies, I kind of forgot how big of a production value hell comes to Frogtown is you know saying that like after seeing the movie and not having the context you probably think you know no not really it's pretty low budget and it is but uh it, it it definitely comes off um way more of a production than most of the guys other stuff so yeah when I was watching it I, all I could think is like man Andy's missing out because I know he's already in bed by now and uh, <laughs> I, I assume you, I assume you're familiar with Hell Comes to Frogtown, right, Andy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sandal Bergman, Roddy Piper, uh, and Piper's like the. Only, I've only seen it once, but uh, I need to pick up the. Uh, does Vinegar Syndrome offer? The, did they release that, or was it like uh, Synapse or something? Watch it with Joe Bob on Shutter, man. I remember? Okay. Uh, but yes, I have seen it before, and he's like. He's the only male around and he right. to, uh, and basically his name is Sam Hill. And uh, yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Hell, Hellraiser two is one of those movies in high school where like my friends who weren't big into movies would come over and they're like, 
they'd bring a friend or like a girl over and they're like, dude, show us something crazy. And I'd be like, you ever seen Hellraisers? They're like, of course, which, you know, it's one of those movies like Friday the 13th. Everybody's like, yeah, I've seen it. And they really haven't. But they they do the recap at the beginning of Hellraiser 2, which is one of my favorite parts because it reminds me of like a bad 80s sitcom when they're like previously on Growing Pains. And it's like previously on Hellraiser. And they they sum up the whole entire movie in, the, in like three minutes. It's like, how, how often do we get that at the beginning of horror sequels anymore? We don't at all, really. Yeah, we don't at all, yeah. And so it's sort of, it's almost laughable when you rewatch it. That's the only part that I think is funny. But I would show this one just because it's such a gross-out, violent, uh, balls-to-the-wall, crazy movie. It really, it, like, doesn't, you know, it doesn't, uh, it packs a lot of punch. It doesn't do a lot of cutting, so. Yeah, the, awesome. the thing with the, the, the scene with the straight razor still just makes oh, me just God, quiver. Oh, God, I was thinking of that, just, God, Ugh. yeah that that still that scene still freaks me out, and gets under my skin. No pun intended. Didn't I think Joe Bob was even saying something about the actor castrating himself on accident or something? I, he, he they were saying that, and then I you know because that's what what's her face said. Yeah, Ashley Lawrence. But, I don't, but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I think what they meant was that they filmed a scene of they filmed a shot of him castrating himself. Yeah, I was sort of confused too. And Nick, Nikki asked too, and they're like, "Did you?" And he said something about using that take. And I don't know if that meant you know like he actually cut himself and not actually castrated, but really cut, hurt himself, or that like you said they filmed it and this didn't end up using it because it was too much. But uh, either That's way, that scene is horrific. Oh God, yeah, yeah. You know, the combination of what he sees and then what he's actually doing. Yeah, both both <laughs> both his reality and the real reality are both gross and disturbing. Yeah, yeah it's hard to figure out which one's worse. Yeah, uh, and then I, I haven't watched a ton of movies because I uh, actually started watching Baskets, the Zach Galifianakis series. Yeah, I've been mar- marathoning What's through that? that. Finally, what's that? What's that? He plays a clown. Have you not seen it? I don't know anything about it. I could have sworn you've told me about it before. Baskets? Yeah, it's called Baskets. Mm. Stars Zach Galifianakis. He he's a clown. Let's <laughs> say who he, plays his mom. You got to bring that up. Oh, absolutely. Because he because uh, it's the best performance. The show. That's right. Louis Anderson plays Zach Galifianakis's mom. And as much as I love Zach Galifianakis, and as hilarious as he is in this in this show, Louis Anderson steals the show. He is amazing. Like funny and yet heartwarming and like, oh, oh it is, it, it's such a hard show to describe because it's total Zach Galifianakis humor um, to the 10th degree. But at the same time, there's like so many like heartbreaking or heartwarming moments in it that you just don't expect from a show about a guy who, you know, goes to France to become a clown and flunks out because he doesn't speak French. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, so the, really the only movie I watched uh, was going to be my Insane's pick, but I hated it, so it's not going to be. <laughs> um, I've been looking forward to this movie ever since I heard it was um, made like a year or two ago or whatever, because um, a little, little backstory, I'm a, obviously everybody knows, a huge George Romero fan, but that is that is like filtered into the fact that like anybody associated with George Romero and or anybody associated with Pittsburgh and they make a movie and I love and follow all that stuff. So, so like John Russo, um, all of his endeavors that he's ever done since Nile me dead, I follow and, and 
love both ironically and unironically. But so he put out a new movie uh, not that long ago um, called My Uncle John is a Zombie, where he wrote, directed, and starred in it. Um, where, you know, he plays Uncle John and he's a zombie. And stills and, and clips I've seen from the movie just, I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. This looks great. But it sucked. <laughs> Like I'd rather watch his Santa Claus movie than than watch this again. And it's got it's got uh, you know Russell Striner shows up, and again he plays a priest. I don't know why John Russo always writes priest characters for Russell Striner, but whatever. Uh, Debbie Rashawn is in it, you know, and they've worked together before because she was the lead in Santa Claus. Sarah French, uh, uh, Tiffany Thiessen. Um, so it's got it's got some cool people in it. Kelly Kapowski a, was in it. Who? Tiffany Thiessen? Like, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Like. Oh, no. Um, who do I mean? Jason? Uh, Sheppis. Sheppis. Thank you. Oh, Tiffany Sheppis. You said Tiffany Thiessen. I'm just like, Kelly Kapowski's in a fucking zombie movie? (laughs) Um, And obviously, in typical, you know, Russo fashion, um, He's got to cling on to Night Living Dead as much as possible. So there's a shit ton of Night Living Dead references in this movie. And it's weird because in the movie, Night Living Dead is a movie. Yet the event, they keep talking about the things that happen in Night Living Dead as if it was actually um, that it actually happened. Because at one point they interview and it's actually the actor who played the sheriff in Night Living Dead um, and and like in the in the movie he is up for prosecution because 40 years ago he killed that guy ben when he really wasn't a zombie so now he's being he's being persecuted for it and blah 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 and oh it's just it's just bad it's just bad the worst part the biggest crime of it for me is the fact that um destructurally the narrative is all over the map. You have these like redneck characters that are going around hunting zombies. And, um, uh, Debbie Rashawn is one of those redneck characters. Uh, you have like this, I don't know, even know what it is. It's like a farm, I guess for zombies where people can come and, and, and shoot at zombies and kill them. But yet there's this whole subplot of zombie rights going on. Um, and there's all this like intercut of news footage and fake commercials and, and all this stuff. And it's like, there's no freaking story going on. It just keeps, it's just keep jump cutting to all these different things. And like this, Seeing Russo in the zombie makeup and the, in, you know, he's a withered old man as it is. He, he looked like a, uh, this cute little sympathetic, like zombie. And I thought that was the direction the movie was going to go in. And, but like, and apparently he's this big celebrity cause he's this zombie that retains his faculties and can talk and whatnot. And, and he's kind of the poster child for zombie rights and all this, you know, and, and, you know, for a while, it's like, okay, yeah, I can get behind this. I can get behind his character in this. But then, like, all he ever talks about is wanting to have sex with live women. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? So I was extremely disappointed, you know, and this is coming from a guy who um, also who loves the movie Majorettes. So that's all that I've watched. 
All right. Well, I guess uh, have we done Andy? Have you done what we watched yet? I think I just went first and screwed up my whole like order. So <laughs> yeah, it's no, just I, been you, you and me I so far. Gone. I haven't gone. Okay. Yet, but... Well, Andy, what did you watch? Um, I also watched uh, Scream Queen, the Nightmare, My Nightmare on Elm Street, and I thought it was really, really good. Um, yeah, did and all I got to say is if you know, man, it's just. I knew that he uh, faced a lot of adversity because because uh, he was because Mark Patton was gay because we learned we 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 only really kind of scratched the surface because with uh, with Never Sleep Again that documentary, uh, but this really was kind of like a deep dive into you know what his life was like after that, and I really I really had no idea you know what he what he was facing. And um, of course, you know, it being 1985 and people were very ignorant about, you know, HIV and such. And just, uh, but yeah, that was, that's, that was very, very, very interesting. And I thought, I thought it was very, uh, I thought it was very entertaining and it was also very heartbreaking to, you know, to hear what he went through and just, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I personally would really like to meet the guy. I think, I think he's pretty brave dude. Uh, I also watched uh, another one of my favorite uh, documentary filmmakers. I uh, he's made three uh, very, very, very cool documentaries about movies, and this one was called Machete Maidens Unleashed, and it was about the uh, a lot of the films that were made in the Philippines, and just basically how you know it was almost like anything goes there. Um, you get a lot of uh, interviews with uh, Roger Corman, which I always dig, and you get to see which which and it was bittersweet because you get to see uh, Sid Haig and he's healthy and he's talking and he's just very informative and you know they you know they talk with Pam Greer and just a, a lot of really good information and plus and plus Electric Boogaloo is probably my favorite. Uh, documentary of all time i could literally watch that once a month and still just be as you know as entertained as i watched it the first time um i also from uh vinegar syndrome i i got i had some stuff come in but the one i want to talk about uh is patty hurst which uh, if anybody doesn't know what the uh, story of Patty Hearst is, she was uh, an heiress to uh, the Hearst publications and she was kidnapped back in 1974 by the, this uh, radical army. And basically she became kind of brainwashed and she began robbing banks with them and doing all this and that. And it really took her like years to like get back to normal because uh, she squares up and down, she did it to survive and not get killed by them, because she was held for ransom and the ransom never really got paid. So uh, it's a it's a really really uh, actually a really good drama, and Ving Rhames is in it, and William Forsyth, which is hilarious because all these people in this, uh, uh, I guess, army if you want to call it. All of them are white except for Ving Rhames, who who runs this thing, right? And you 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 hear uh, William Forsyth, which I 
I will watch anything that he's in. He just goes, man, I just wish I was fucking black, man. I wish I was fucking black. And I'm thinking to myself this day and it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. And there's like this really hilarious scene where he goes, where William Forsyth goes into a bathroom and he puts on like this jerry curl wig and he paints himself all blackface and he starts acting black. You know, he's like, hey, what it is. I mean, he's actually literally trying to act. And this is like 1974 when he's when he's doing this. It's hilarious. Um, Patty Hearst was paid played by Natasha Richardson. And now, correct me if I'm wrong. She was married to Liam Neeson, right? And she I passed no away. I, th- I think I think that's the case. But uh, yeah, in terms of like a uh, just a. A biography movie it's actually in my estimation really really good paul schrader uh directed it uh which you know he did hardcore and american gigolo and i think didn't he write taxi driver yeah i think so yeah yes he did yeah. yeah so i mean i i really recommend it it's actually it's actually a really good movie um also watch I'll, I'll have to check it out because i was always fascinating with the Patty Hearst story. Um, Tanya, you know, my fasc- what's that? Well, they, that's what they made her change her name to. They everybody changes their name once they're, they're her name was Tanya. Well, I I first really became um, interested in the story when she started working in John John Waters movies. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so she's been in like all of John Waters movies after uh, from Hairspray on. I watched a Lucky McKee produced movie called The Lost, which um, it starts off, you know, pretty good. And then it slows way down. And then at the end, it just gets, you know, completely nuts. But it's basically about this guy named Ray who works at a, uh, a hotel that his mom owns. And basically, he's kind of like a serial killer. Uh, that's what I. But he. But it's like it's during it's set during modern day. But he's kind of dresses like kind of like a rockabilly kind of guy. He he's like uh, he's like the guy from Slumber Party Massacre Two without the huge driller guitar. Um, but the thing that drew me to this because you know I got it like cheap at it at like some video stores like uh. D. Wallace Stone was in it. Ed Lautner, Katie Cassidy was actually in this. Like she was very, very young. But um, yeah, I mean, it was okay. I mean, it just gets you know. Eh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. But Jack Ketchum's The Lost, and it was written for the screen, produced and directed by Chris. Uh, Silverstone, but Lucky McKee and Mike McKee were involved, so I was just like, oh, hell, it's cheap, and I'll give it a shot. But, meh. Uh, last one I want to talk about, and it's not a horror movie per se, but the guy who made it uh, uh, was also the writer and director of Bone Tomahawk and Braun Cell Block 99. Uh, his name, I keep... Uh, Craig, S. Craig, Craig Zayer. Uh-huh. Is he- and it's called Dragged Across Con- Concrete. Uh, not bad, but I actually prefer the, his two previous movies a lot better. Uh, there's, I think, like, 
Jennifer Carpenter was in here and there was a scene with her not wanting to leave her child behind, but then, then she dies like five minutes later. I mean, it was, it just seemed like it was unnecessarily long. So no pun intended. It actually drug. It's really, yeah. It's like two and a half hours or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you've got Michael Jai white, you know, who's like, can do all this karate stuff and i don't think i ever saw him get out of a car well he got yeah he got drug out of the car and then he got shot and then he like yeah and you you had don johnson in it was in it for only for like five minutes uh it just uh it you know the, the main focus was on mel gibson and vince vaughn and it just it really to me it just kind of fell flat but uh yeah probably won't Man, i've been looking forward to watching it yeah uh, I, I would say <laughs> maybe, hopes have gone down. Yes. Well, get, give it. I mean, I always say give everything a chance because, you know, sure. preferences are, are different, but, uh, my, my initial thing I want to say to you is say, uh, no, no, I would, it's to me, it's compared to his previous two films, uh, pretty darn bland. And sorry, that's what I get. I don't really like to say crappy things about stuff, but yeah, just didn't do it for you. Yeah, not 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 so much, but yeah, that's all I got, folks. All right, well, I guess that leaves you, Jason. What did you watch? Well, I watched uh, Hogzilla. Loved it. Scare Package. It was really nice getting to see that movie, and it was awesome. I just didn't know anything about it, and then it popped up, and I. This whole time, uh, Mike and I have been huge fans of Chris McEnroy. Yeah. Huge fans. He's, we, uh, we, all his films has been in our film festival and we just love him and his sense of humor. Like you could just, we just know he'd be a fun guy to hang out with. And then bam, one of his, his movie, one of his shorts, or he, he gets to do one of the segments. Yeah. Segments. And it was freaking the best one. It was awesome. Um, I watched from 1961 Bloodlust, and from sweet 1987 Time of the Apes. Oh, very cool! Yeah, Did you enjoy those without the riff tracks? I wouldn't know. I only watched them with uh-huh. the riff tracks or MST3K. No, I would not enjoy them without those guys. Of Wait, which not. one's Bloodlust? Bloodlust is. Directed by Ralph Brooke. It's got Wilton Graff, June Kent. This isn't helping you at all. Two couples are on a boating trip when they come across an uncharted island. The four investigate and find themselves in the clutches of Dr. Albert Below Ballow, whose hobby is hunting both animals and humans. Oh, so it's a Dr. It's Moreau type. Well, most dangerous game type. Yeah, that too. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't what I thought it was. No. There was maybe, what the heck is the name of that movie? It's like, I think Dennis Hopper's very first movie where lust in the dust. Just kidding. What? <laughs> it's maybe it's night tired or something like that. I don't know. I'm going to never, never mind. Thought um, cool I also hand. watched. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Judd Apatow's new movie, the King of Staten Island. It's basically yeah. a Pete Davidson story and it's fucking great. I didn't I love it. it. You didn't love it. No, oh, I loved it. How what do you guys feel about that guy that plays the lead Pete? from Siren Pete from Siren Night Live? 
I love Pete Davidson. I actually have been a fan of his on SNL. I've liked him on there and felt like he's been agreed underused and uh, misused on there. And they basically make him play the same character over and over again. And I I liked him in this enough, but uh, I wanted it to be more like, I don't know, more. It didn't really hit my heart like I wanted it to. It felt like there was some subplots that were just unnecessary and uh, Apatow sometimes does that with movies he directs. He makes them a little longer than he needs to, and has, he, he doesn't cut off some, doesn't trim some of the fat that he could. I mean, I didn't hate the movie by any means. I love Bill Burr. He he was good in it, but I didn't. I just Bill didn't awesome. love it as much as. Yeah, I just didn't love it as much as I wanted to because the cast is so great, and it just the trailer was so good, and yeah, I still recommend it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I did binge F is for family. I forgot about that though. Yeah, the new season I did that too. Yeah, Bill so Burns. Mike, great. Mike saying he's not a fan of Pete Davidson. I mostly just know him from Saturday Night Live, and maybe that's because of what Tad said that he's misused. So yeah, I, well, I mean this is his second movie role. So What's yeah, because he was in the Dirt. Motley oh, Crue's the oh, Dirt. Oh, I, I guess. Third, yeah, I guess because I forgot he's in that. He's also he did a movie called like something Adolescence on Hulu, and it was like an original oh, yeah. movie it, where he sort of plays himself too. Yeah. And you know, this this is like a semi um, autobiographical movie, sort of about him in real life because his dad really did die in the Twin Towers nine eleven. Oh man, and, uh, lives oh, yeah, with this, his, lives his mom. How autobiographical it was. Yeah, he still lives with his, yeah. his mom. He, he like bought this huge place, and his mom lives upstairs. He lives in the basement. It's very close to his real life. Mm-hmm. I also watched Be Water. That was fantastic. Um, I also uh, have you guys watched much on uh, the new Night Flights Plus app? No, I need to. I've watched some stuff. Obviously, I went straight to the residence. Oh yeah, stuff. Um, there was also a Dr. Demento uh, episode segment, I guess, mm-hmm. which was really cool, except for it like cut off the last music video just oh. abruptly. And, you know, I hate that crap, but, uh, and then, and then there was a, then there was a time I passed down on the couch and just let a regular episode play. Oh my God. Freaking love night flights. Oh, especially when they had and the I was old watching, commercials. Yeah. Original commercials. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I watched a, a bunch of the episodes of the old Dynaman um, uh, episodes that I used to love. So, yeah, if you're uh, over 40, you might miss <laughs> uh, night flights. It was a great, great channel show. And uh, anyway, I watched the uh, first thing I watched on there was just a concert. It was a dinosaur junior show called Bug. They played the whole album Bug live at the 930 Club. And it was kind of cool because um, they let it be filmed by fans. So they handed out like a dozen cameras they had and then invited them back. And they like gave them cameras and the footage of the show was from the fans. And it turned out pretty kick-ass. That's pretty cool. Yeah, editing it all together was, it turned out. Turned out pretty neat. Nice. I I like that. And they had them all over the place, you know, some bunch up front, side stage, at balcony, and yeah. And then and they even like uh, when the when the film started, they like introduced all the cameramen who were just you know just fans people. Oh, cool. It was really neat. So uh, as if you were to be 
one of them guys, it had to just be the greatest thing ever. Do they get do they get uh, director credits? They might. Um, I also watched. Oh, I think it was on Prime. Um, at the drive-in, it's also the name of one of my favorite bands. But oh, was that one of the drive-in documentaries? Yes. Cool. Was it good? I've been meaning to click on those, but I loved it. It's called At the Drive-In. And it's just about a drive-in in Pennsylvania that's pretty famous nowadays, but it wasn't and kind of shows how it kind of was right at the death door. And then a couple nerdy kids wandered on and teamed up and took kind of took it over and, and turned it into something. And yeah, it's really cool and inspiring and it's neat to, to see all the misfit kids come together to to support this awesome thing out in the middle of nowhere yeah and the drive-ins are back baby that's right among social distancing it makes sense yep yep i too watched good boy i thought it was good boy i uh on a on disney on Disney Plus, um, there's basically the coolest thing that's ever happened. It, uh, there used to be this show on IFC called Dinner for Five. I don't yeah. know if anyone uh, used to watch that short-lived show with John Favreau. It was amazing. It was amazing, and there might be a little bit of inspiration of the show from that show. Oh, abs! I think a hundred percent. This. On Disney Plus, there's a show called Gallery, and it's basically an eight-part series broken down over about uh, the Mandalorian, and it's John Favreau sitting around a table with all the directors, all the effects people, um, the cast, in several different settings, and then um, they really interview. It's just uh, it's. It's a really awesome behind the amazing, amazing behind the scenes stuff uh, for the Mandalorian. If you like that show, I don't know how you couldn't. Um, I definitely recommend it. It's super cool because yeah, it combines the the best of both worlds: an amazing behind the scenes show with a dinner for five kind of vibe. It's so cool. Yeah, the stuff, the documentary type stuff that they're doing on Disney Plus is so good. I finished the Imagineers first season over the weekend too. I love that, and I love prop culture. It, the the oh, only problem, prop culture was so good. yeah. The only problem is that it just it goes by so quick, and then it, you're like, it doesn't last very long. Yeah, you're like now what? Now what? I want more? I don't know. The one, the one that got me on the prop culture one was the Honey I Shrunk the Kids episode. Yeah, that was the first oh. one I watched. <laughs> because they interview freaking Rick Moranis. Yeah, right. No one, no one talks to him anymore. It's, he's hasn't been he's in been front a, of a camera in decades. And he was great. It was awesome. Yeah, it's cool to see uh in the Honey I Shrunk to or the, the uh Who Framed Roger Rabbit one, they go get their hair cut and uh yeah, that, there's a lot of cool things on that show that you know, obviously <laughs> it's it's uh i don't even know how to explain it the way it's filmed you know the host is sort of corny or whatever but you can tell he's a big time collector and they show that opening shot of his house you see the killer clowns 
he has all the original oh, masks yeah. and stuff. And man, like I, I just want an episode of his house, but I know that they have to, there's probably <laughs> slowly going through his collection and finding things that they can access. And who who's this? I don't even know his name. He's just a, sort of a nerdy collector that hosts the show, the prop collector. Oh, they, they could go through. He really sounds like Sean the Clark's same guy. He really sounds like the same guy from the toys that made us. Like, I feel like it's the, the voice. Same. Yeah. It might be a guy from that show on that's on Netflix. It's amazing. Um, and so watching just being on Disney plus and watching all that Mandalorian stuff, I got excited and watched, um, star Wars, the rise of Skywalker again, first time since the theater and freaking loved it. I love that movie. I love them all. I'm, I love it. Um, then on, uh, Hulu, I watched Shirley. That looks really oh, good. Yeah. That does look good. Yeah. The trailer for it makes it look really good. Uh Oh, no, it's good. I mean, <laughs> Martin Scorsese is a producer anyway. And Elizabeth Moss is awesome. And no, it, uh, it's good. It's good. It's just... I, I, it's it, like you're arguing with yourself. It, just, it's, just out with it already. It, to me, it was just different than the trailer led me to think it was going to be like. So, but it's so not it was like one of it those cases that you went in with an expectation of the, the movie being this, but it's actually this. It, and it's not that it was a big stray. It just felt different than how that trailer, which is amazing made me feel it was gonna be sure and so it's not it's that to, i'm let down it's just yeah. it was different it's hard to get over what your yep. perception of it is going in so it was good it was still good at the end of the day it's just a little different um we watched uh, this cool movie called terrifier <laughs> yeah we did had yes, a little netflix party for it and we had a couple of guys from Terrifier join us. And I'll be honest, those are some of my favorite two Netflix parties we've had is when we had uh, cast and crew members be on because yeah. it's like having your own personal interactive commentary track. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. When are we going to watch one of your movies? Ooh, as soon as, as it's, it's on, Netflix. on Netflix, you can do it on um, what's it called? Uh, Twitch and it has a chat function. That's true. We could do that. Yeah. That'd be cool. I'm sure the uh, you know, is there a limit to how many people can join? Because the list would probably get what are you laughing at? Oh, I sneezed. Oh, okay. And then lastly, I wanted to save my favorite movie I've seen in the last two weeks. The Vast of Night. I've heard some good things about that. It was fucking awesome. It's um, at the at the dawn of the space race, two radio-obsessed teens discover a strange frequency over the airwaves in what becomes the most important night of their lives and in the history of their small town. It takes place back in the 50s, I would say. And... 50s, 60s. So it's very um, stylized and cool. But I'll, I'll shit you not. This is the best dialogue I've heard in a movie in ever. Not ever, but it's incredible. It's uh, the fastest paced dialogue 
that you've heard in a long time, which you got to love. You know, I love that stuff. Yeah. Super fast paced, super smart and super cool. These two kids fucking just nail this per their performances. There's such long takes. It's so, it's not a flashy movie. It's just so smart. And the dialogue is incredible. I can't, and, and the cinematography too. There are some shots that just, you just follow, you, it travels throughout a whole town and doesn't cut. And as these kids run from one side of town to the other, and oh my, I can't recommend it enough. The Vast of Night. What's it on? I believe it's on Amazon Prime. Cool. It's so good. Hey, that's what I watched. I forgot to mention one more before we uh, go back to yeah. the actual episode. I was on Shutter, and they have the Etheria Film oh, Festival, yeah, yeah. and it's all the shorts, and it's only 128 minutes, but there's some really, really good shorts. A few that were actually playing at SNAF this year, too, and cool. uh, all done by f- uh, female f- filmmakers. They are you know, showing all the shorts on on shutter and it's just put together as one package. So highly recommend that too. Definitely. Okay. Awesome. All right. So we better get to the topic at hand. This episode again, the topic is shot on video, but Oh no. First it's time to play. It says games. So for this episode, we will be playing Truth or Dare. Oh, no. Just kidding. Oh, The game we'll be playing is a game that I call Tag 'em and Bag 'em. <laughs> so this game, uh, you have to guess if it is a real movie tagline or a fake one. You know, like tagline on the poster or whatever. Um, you have to be able to guess if it's a real one or a fake one. You're, you'll all each guess, and then I'll tell you the right answer. And then we can go around, and if it is a real one, you get a bonus point if you can guess the movie that it's from. Ooh. Yeah. So here we go. We're going to start um, with, uh, we're going to go Jason. Should I mix it up, or does it matter? I think it's just discussion, right? And then we just need to all I'll, give, I'll give the answer at the end, so it's not yep. like, okay. So we'll go Jason, Tad, Andy. Okay, so the first one is give your soul to the dance. Jason, is it real or fake? That sounds awfully fake to me. So, but to start off with a fake one, I don't believe it. So, I got to say this is real. Okay, so Jason (laughs) says it's real. I play the mind games with you, sir. (laughs) Tad, is it real or fake? It's real. Okay. Andy? I'm going to say it's fake. Yeah, Tad was awfully confident. Like, he already knows the bonus answer. Damn. Yeah. It is real, yes. Uh, Jason, do you have a guess what on was, the movie? What was the tagline again? Give your soul to the dance. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Prom Night 3 or something? Oh, that was, yeah, that's a good guess. It is not Prom Night 3. I said Dance of the Dead. Oh. It is the 2018 Suspiria. I was going to say, the, she's a dancer. Yeah, damn it. Yeah. Okay, so next one. Hey, I got a point. You do. That's you all do. that matters. <clears throat> the next one. This film 
Wait, no, <laughs> I, I don't want to do that one yet. <clears throat> this test is either pass or death. Jason, fake or real? Oh boy, I'm going to say fake. Okay, Tad? I'm going to say fake on that one. Andy? I'm going to say fake. You are correct. It is fake. All of you get points for that. Next one. This test. Oh, wait, no, I just did that one. <laughs> oh, my God. I gosh. need to put like I know, double I know the answer. There. Okay. Yes. I want to, I'd like to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do this one next because I'm going to laugh. Oh, so let's. Um, so let's move on to a different one. Black belt versus black magic. Jason. Ooh. I'm going to say it's true. Okay. Tad. I think that one's real. Okay. Andy. I'm going to say that's true. You are all correct. It is a real movie quote. Anybody got a guess for the movie? It sounds familiar, but it's probably something I've never seen. Probably not. Anybody else? Um, pass. Okay. I will. You don't get any extra points for answering this, do you? Yeah, you get you get an extra. Point oh, okay. Okay. You don't lose. You don't lose a point for a wrong answer, do you, though? Do you? <laughs> nope. This ain't <laughs> Halloween a Palooza. You lose three. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say Black Belt Jones. It's a good guess, uh, but it's the legend of the seven golden vampires. I almost. Uh, almost. This film will make your unborn child's skin crawl. Jason. Gross. What's the name of this game again? Tag them and bag them. Oh. Oh. Uh, fake. Okay. Tad. Real. Okay. Andy. Say it again. Uh, this film will make your unborn child's skin crawl. Duh, that just sounds horrible enough to be true. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say true. Jason takes the lead. It is fake. Yes. So that means you came up with that, you sick fuck. That's right. That's right, I did. That is what that means. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like something from the 70s, like a very grindhouse exploitation y. And he'll save oh, yeah. it for one of his movies, too. So. Oh, you know it. I will make a movie just based around that tagline. <laughs> Please don't feed the children. Jason, is it real or fake? That's real. Okay. Tad? Real. Real. Andy? Real. Very good. All of you. Is It is correct. It is real. Any guesses on the movie? Children shouldn't play with dead things. It's a great guess, but no. Beware children at play. That's another great guess, but no. Oh, man. It's all on you, Jason. The children. You wish, but I no. Cooties. Okay. Oh, that movie oh, that makes so sense. awesome. Yeah. Movie rules. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Take the stairs. Take the stairs. For God's sakes, take the stairs. <laughs> Real or fake, Jason? I feel like um, you changed it. 
something that was. <laughs> I know the real fake. one. <laughs> so I'm gonna say fake. Okay, Tad. Yeah, that's fake. <laughs> Andy. Uh. I feel like that could be like for a movie called The Lift, but I'm still gonna say that f- that's fake. Is it from the Amityville uh, stairhouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is real. Oh, and I'm just going to go ahead and give the bonus to Andy because he said the name of the movie. Oh, are my you serious? Goodness. That's what it's the lift. It's from the lift. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to okay, not totally watch that, that off. Because I figured it's going to be a movie about a friggin' elevator. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, warning. The red stuff on your hot dog <laughs> may not be ketchup. Jason? Fake. Tad? Fake. Andy? That's <laughs> fake as shit, dude. It's real. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's from Drive-In Massacre. Uh, I wasn't even going to let you guess. Is that movie real? Uh, is, is it a is real a, movie? Not a real movie. <laughs> That's like a warning for me not to watch that. That red stuff on your... <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, the last sound you will hear is the chewing of your own flesh. Jason? Again, I think you took it. You took one you liked, and you decided to fuck with it. So, fake. Tad? I'll go with real. Oh. Andy? I'll go... I'll, the last sound you hear is the chewing of your own flesh. Yeah. Oh, screw it, real. Jason gets the point. Oh. It is fake. It's too real to be real. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. Um, Jason wins. We'll just do a couple more here. Well, wait. Uh, yeah, we'll do a couple no. more. <laughs> <laughs> the night no one comes home. Well, I'm going to say real. That's real. Yeah, it's real. It's Halloween 3. Yes, it is Halloween 3. That's what I was going to say, too. I was going to say, but we all know it. No, we all know it. We all get a point. I hope I get you on that one. It's one of the best taglines just because it's so cool that plays on the first one. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. That might be the only thing that plays on the first one in that movie. Well, the first one and the second one, too. Okay. Um all right, last one, unless we have a tiebreaker. Uh <laughs> they slime, they ooze, they kill. Snails. That's true. That's real. Okay, Tad. Real. Andy? Uh, hell with it real. <laughs> <laughs> it is real. Anybody guess the slugs? Movie? Holy balls. I yes. got her. Jason got it. It is slugs. That's our game, ladies oh. and gentlemen. Tat or Jason wins with nine points. Hot dang! Oh, so you tried to give it away to me, but yeah, we're used to you winning, so <laughs> yeah. it just made sense. Uh, Tad had seven, and Andy had six. It was a close one. It was. That was fun. Tag it or bag it. Tag it and bag it or bag it. Okay, so let's do the movies. <clears throat> let's uh, not. And- <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start off right. Andy, what's our first movie tonight? Okay. Um, 
This movie is from 1983, and I think Peter Gabriel said it better, but it is called Sledgehammer. Now we're going to have some real fun. Hey, an orgy! All right, that's what we're waiting for! You fool one that you have. Hey, let's get started. Put your shoes on. Quiet, quiet. I'm talking about a seance. Slap heard around the world. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Okay. <laughs> A big sigh. Uh, <sighs> I guess. Let's let's just see here. Um. <laughs> guys. Um. I've been sober for thirteen <laughs> years, and I still and I and I still am. Oh, thank goodness! But I, I but oh, I literally Lord. got. I literally got goddamn alcohol poisoning watching this movie from the amount of alcohol <laughs> in this It's on like a Hunter S. Thompson, Jim Morrison level. None of these people would have left that fucking house alive, let alone not be with their head caved in with a sledgehammer. With that being said, I will go into the line of the movie because this is the only way I'm going to get it out. And it's the from the character John. And he says, "You can ride my, you can ride horsey on my side saddle any day, Schnookums." <laughs> Made me laugh my ass off. <laughs> okay. That being said, um, Sledgehammer, 1983. It starts off out in the past, and this these two people are having an affair, and. This the mother locks her kid or the little bastard as she so affectionately referred to him as <laughs> in in the closet so they can you know go down and get a freak on and and it's just this this remote country house and they end up getting their heads caved in so ten years later a bunch of partiers show up and uh, in what takes like the the longest unloading of the van where everybody's talking and the uh, longest. Yeah. And John Carroll, Jimmy, Chuck, Mary, Joey, who gives a shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, basically they, they, they begin partying like the stupidest human beings I've ever seen in my life. These, the, I mean, just the the way that they talk and just like the way they they scream and holler and just yeah i if i was there i wouldn't need to sledgehammer i'd probably kill them all with my bare hands by by some point i uh, i literally wrote down these guys are fucking dumbasses in my and taking my notes um this is basically they they end up uh, I believe the character of Chuck ends up telling this, giving this seance like you might've heard in the, in our preview here. And um, basically him and Joey are playing a trick on them, but the seance apparently actually works and they bring back this supernatural giant man that fills up a hallway one point and then he turns into a kid the next and you know, they're wearing the same outfit. Um, mm-hmm. 
But, you know, in between that, there's a guy washing down a sandwich with the leader of Old Crow, which was, was weird. Um, this movie has the longest door opening sequence I've ever seen. <laughs> I could have I built the fucking door uh, the amount of time that it took him to open the goddamn thing. Um, just, um, oh, that's nothing no, compared to the very first shot of the film. That is almost half of the running time with the shot of the house, just the house. Oh yeah. Nothing going on. Yes. Okay. It's a goddamn house. We get it. <laughs> it it's, it's, firmly, it's a firmly established that this is a structure and it's, you know, on the ground. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, when, when I had to laugh my ass off because when they're panning across, you know, and they're telling the story about this murders that took place there and you've got Joey's eyes tracking back and forth going like this. Serious. Well, if you could stomach watching this goddamn thing again, watch that scene where he's just moving his eyes back and forth. I mean, it's just, it's hilarious. It's, his eyes are tracking back and forth and he's like, you know, seeing if anybody's looking at him. He reminds me of that chick from like the walk, like Egyptian video where her eyes are just track, just going back and forth. It was just like, he looked like really goddamn weird. Um, and basically they're playing a joke over the jukebox, you know, which is so convincing. Um, and there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's one thing where the, the killer, you know, he gets his hand electrocuted by some home alone, Kevin McAllister trick on the doorknob, you know, apparently it didn't take him too long to open that one. Um, it's weird how this guy can take a meat cleaver to the chest and that does nothing. But when Chuck comes in there with his shirt off and starts throwing punches, these, uh, tend to have effect. Um, the, the kid pimps when, when the killer turns into a kid and he pimp slaps, and he pimp slaps Chuck. That is, that's great. That's like the best part of the movie when he just, you know, <laughs> slaps the shit out of him. It's, it's, it's great. Um, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, a lot of booze in this movie, and uh, the killer's mask is basically kind of like um, reminded me of Shelley from Friday the Thirteenth Part Three a little bit. Yeah, yeah, especially, especially with his, especially with his, with his curly hair. Um, yeah, uh, I thought that was like the only semi cool part of this movie redeeming part was the killer in the mask. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. And, and Jimmy from, or, or, or Paul from Hall and Oates. Cause that's who he reminded me of. He's uh, apparently yes. a virgin. I wasn't convinced of that. You can't have a mustache like that and be a virgin. And, <laughs> uh, how, how, how any of these guys could be able to get it up with that much goddamn alcohol in their system is beyond me. But, um, a lot of whiskey dick dudes in this house. Um, uh, <laughs> and that, and when a guy comes in to your room, it, who's supposed to seemingly about nine feet tall with a sledgehammer, 
how do you know when he hits uh what does he think how does jimmy not wake up when the killer grabs carol and carol's on the other side of the goddamn bed and you're reaching over him he he must be really drunk um yeah uh this this movie uh i've i remember seeing like the i've seen the cover before and with with the lettering and stuff like that but uh, uh yeah i saw a bunch of dumb asses get killed by a dumbass killer in a dumbass movie <laughs> <laughs> so you liked it so he liked it. the kid the the kid pimp slapping chuck he should have slapped the piss out of all of these dumb shits <laughs> and they should have slapped himself for being in the movie but the line you can ride horsey on my saddle any day schnookums is was there were the, there's a few saving graces but uh yeah a lot of you know like that chuck is trying to be like super nice to her i mean like there was like there was like B stories in this where like, Oh, I don't know if I want to be together. Like who gives a shit? There's nothing that's going to come out of it. Um, and then Chuck is trying to be all sensitive in one white and says, get this shit out of here. I got to go get a beer. And they have like the longest lovey dovey slow motion walk sequence. Yeah. I, it's like, are we just trying to fill screen time here? Like, Ugh. What in the 80, fuck? 80% of the movie is filling screen time. It's, right. You talk but, about, yeah, talk about you're really stress. Yeah, when you're stretching out scenes for absolutely no reason, just making them slow motion to fill time. Jesus Christ. It's already excruciating. Don't make it slower. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the slow-mos, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just like, I was, why don't you throw in the fucking $6 million man sound effect while they're actually tipping back their beer? <laughs> 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 that would actually make it funny. Well, yeah. Uh, hey, I'm I'm trying to work with this with this turd here. Um, yeah. All while they're walking, this like really soft core porn music. I thought that's what I thought it was. It was just like it. Uh, I don't want to when I was when I was watching this movie. I all I could think of was. I can't wait to hear what Ted says about this movie. <laughs> like uh, Andy said, should have left it to Peter Gabriel because this, this <laughs> sledgehammer is no good. I'm just like, what have we gotten? Our, this is like uh, when I was a kid, my mom would make me take NyQuil when I was sick. And I would like, <laughs> I would like fight it forever. And I would have a glass of orange juice nearby to drink immediately after as a chaser. And man, I was just, I got to get through this. This is, the most uh, this show feels like homework sometimes. And that's, you know, movies like this make it feel like homework, but uh, at least I knew I would get some laughs out of Andy's anger from watching yeah. it. <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, Oh, this is Andy's movie. He's going to have a fun time. I mean, Mike, have you seen these movies? I've seen, I have not seen sledgehammer. The reason why I picked sledgehammer is, well, I can get to it when I say, but it was one of those that I've heard of, and I want, and I've always wanted to see it. So, so the, make the us other all two I've seen. Well, yeah, yeah. I had other ones on my list too that I just couldn't find streaming anywhere. So that that would have been better. But I just don't think this genre is my cup of tea. 
like I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I love a good a 24 beautiful horror film. It doesn't even have to make sense. This one is on the other end of that spectrum. And I, I like the, the music that was in that trailer. If I had just listened to the trailer, if you're listening to this podcast and you listen to that trailer and you think that could be cool, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> The music yeah. was sort of cool. There's like 12 seconds of cool music and the killer has a sort of cool mask. And that's as far as it goes. If you have seen everything else and you have an hour and 27 minutes left, <laughs> I guess you might turn this on and give it a chance, but uh, don't, don't do it. Imagine well, the, the pain of being... They have a lot of slow-mo scenes in their movies too. So with like. purpose. Was this movie? Is did I see this movie was is touted as the first shot on video film? There's so many movies that make that claim. Oh, I thought it's I saw a, it's this the one first was. shit on video. Hey, I, I feel well, like I took a sledgehammer to the nuts. You know, I wanted to you know, embrace a pain the, ratio. I wanted to embrace this theme today. Uh, the shot on video films. I I just. Uh, <laughs> I need I need Mike you to answer like <laughs> yeah you, like, got, you no, got a no, lot shot, of answers yeah shot I just want shot on video doesn't have to mean bad movie right this one just happens to actually be a bad movie spoiler alert you can't say I spoiler alert out of the three, this is the one I did not like either. I don't like this one either. Oh, I like the but next spoiler one alert. a lot more than this one. Spoiler alert, I like the rest of them on our list tonight. So I didn't. Yes. <laughs> I just, the movie itself, like it doesn't, like it doesn't. Dude, this is. This is a this just is a bad gore gang movie. This is right. a, this is a gore gang movie. This is a foreshadows movie. This is high school. This is what we would do in high school with you know. Yes. It's like well, we don't need a script. We can just you know say we're going yes. to a party. We're going to kill each other. You guys can just ad lib whatever you want during the party scenes to pad it out. And I felt that's that. what this was. I, and I totally felt that while watching it. So I mean, I felt like I gave it a lot of grace for that. All of these, um, because the I knew the heart would be there. Um, I just, I just try, I just want to, I just, because this one's first, I just don't want to think that shot on video means bad movie. Yeah, I mean, just, like, because the shot on video part is irrelevant to how shitty this movie is put together. If, if, so if, if you haven't learned by now that you can, it doesn't matter the format. It, you know, as long as you are still you know, you're right. still, it's the quality of like the story. It's the quality of the script. It's the quality I, of the direction. And I don't really mean to shit on the movie, you know, cause I'm sure this is somebody's favorite movie out there. I just, I just want to understand. I mean, I just don't want, I feel like you don't want us to think shot on video means crappy made movie. Oh, I don't. I don't think it has to mean that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's um, why to save grace for this particular movie, <laughs> I've got like a list a million miles just, long of, yeah. of, uh, of, um, um, other movies it's I want to mention at the end. Yeah. It just feels, it's just too bad that this one feels like their first movie they made in high school, even though the guys in the movie are uh, clearly out of high school. And it's just 
their first, you know, when you, when you're the writer director and your brother's the star and it just, this, it's, it's, it's as cheap as could be 40,000. I don't believe it for a second. I don't 40, <laughs> what yen? $40. <laughs> and that's okay. I, I love movies that cost $40. You can still make good movies for $40. Yeah, right. Trying to think, it's like a, just a four pack of blank VHS it tapes is, would be. It's just a tough watch. Yeah, it's I just mean, it's, it's, so much shit didn't make sense. I mean, I don't There's, care if I've got mechanical problems. What kind of asshole, you know, after you go out in the middle of the country, says, "Okay, yeah, here, take my van." Yeah, Dude, the guy drives off with the van. <laughs> like, that is the worst. That I, is the worst excuse dickhead. to get the vehicle out of the out of the story as much as 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 possible. I think you nailed it, though, Mike. Just like spark plugs done. It it feels like movies that we used to make in high school where it's like script. Let's just figure it out as we go. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. And that's cool. And that's fine. It just, this one was just a little tougher to watch. I'm I'm curious where they parked the beer truck, you know, to supply all the goddamn alcohol they have. So yeah, I am definitely a huge fan of the subgenre, and I will admit this one is this one's a stinker. It makes- um, there's a couple of moments that I I enjoyed. You know, I did have a couple of chuckles. Um, you know, I definitely I think I nervously laughed at that same line that you like, Andy, because <laughs> it, I, it I, comes I, out of left field so much, and it's from. Oh the- yeah. The biggest, bulkiest guy in the whole movie, too, Mister Freaking, <laughs> Mister Freaking Muscle Mag, Muscle Mag uh, yeah. Poster Boy, uh-huh. he's yeah, the one does. saying the line. You know, I and, try to and, say something positive about every film that I have. Was there to any? Review. Was there any good kills or gore? I thought maybe that a screwdriver. Well, when I get a chance, I'll, yeah, maybe uh, it was neat. You know, I mean, for for what they had to work with, I mean, the, the gore is just not the problem. It's just apparently they had forty thousand dollars to work with, so I don't know where that went. Yeah, it went to the booze budget and the food that ended up well, on the floor. Well, what do you think, Mike? Um. Well, yeah, like I said, it's it's definitely uh, on the bottom of the barrel as far as shot on video. But you know, a couple moments I did like, I got some. Some le- legitimate chuckles and some uh, ironic um, laugh at the movie chuckles. You know, I like how uh, I like how they do the um, uh, special effects and editing by making it look like the door, the the door, the latch is unlocking by itself. Yet, so it's obviously you know this killer is a ghost. He goes from adult to child. So why he's even wearing a mask? Who knows. Um, <laughs> And yet there's a scene where towards the end where they lock themselves in the room and the killer has to bust through the door. Um, well, we've already proven you can magically <laughs> unlock doors, whatever. Right. Um, I will my, my favorite part was the kill, the guy playing the tape recorder, the first real kill of the movie with the uh, knife through the neck. Now it wasn't so much the actual kill, but the the concept of drag having the knife go all the way through the neck yep. and the killer dragging the body by pulling on both ends of the knife to drag the body, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was something something cool. Yeah, when he ends up hanging by it was was really neat too. 
Was that like paper clips? What was he hanging by? <laughs> I, I don't know. It looked like paper clips. <gasps> Could be. Like towards the end when the the uh, final girl finds him in the closet. But the thing like is, she already dis- she already discovered him before. Doesn't kind of, that kind of take away from like the shock? She's already <laughs> seen him stabbed in the That's neck. True. I was just like, okay, hey, there you are again. Now you're just like, I guess, suspended. Okay. Doesn't make you any less dead. You know, and then the sex scene between Hollow Notes and the one girl. Um, <laughs> a three way? First of all, first <laughs> of all, you know, yeah, because he's a, he's a virgin and everything. And so she pulls out this blanket that out of the closet. I'm like, is that like a, like one of those sheets that you put down when your kids wet the bed? Cause it was like all plasticky and stuff and how during the sex scene, they would have it conveniently placed over top of any naughty parts. So I'm like, oh, okay, well she really, he, she's obviously naked. Cause he's like right on top of her and top of her and there's no clothes, but we're not seeing any boobs or anything. So I'm like, okay, well she just, she doesn't want to show her boobs on the film. And then when they kill her, but when they kill her though, she flops over and her just boobs are right in front of the camera. And I'm like, what was the point of positioning this, like this, um, you know, bed sheet over top of them. If she was just going to show her boobs anyway, I didn't, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Next. Well, one last thing. Sorry, one last thing I will say. The reason why I did pick this film is one, I had never seen it before, and I've heard about it before. And the reason why I've heard about it before is that it's directed by David Pryor, uh, who's notorious for being a a bad filmmaker. Um, Thanks. Mostly doing, mostly (laughs) doing bad action, mostly doing bad action films. Um, but a lot of his movies have is he's like an Ed Wood. He's like some of his stuff has transcended um, from from bad into cult classics. Especially his movie Deadly. He's the director of Deadly Prey. Um, if you guys have ever heard of that, probably not. But uh, it was a movie that has gained so much cult status over the last five six years that he shot a sequel oh, a Lord. couple of years ago called Deadliest Prey. Um. Yeah, he is also the director of Killer Workout. Hey, oh, yep. that, that so. explains things. So yeah, so yeah, so I'm done. That that's Sledgehammer, Jason. What's next? Hey. I was a little curious about the title. Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Please you, work with me. <laughs> and you guys listening, you can watch Sledgehammer on Tubi. Was that where we watched it? Yeah, it was on Tubi. Tubi. Or, if you uh, are smart, you can just save yourself time, take a sledgehammer, and crush your own dick. I, and I, think, <laughs> I think their interests are peaked right now. They're like, what's this movie? It can't be that bad. Drop a car battery on your nuts and be less painful. Okay, so up next, <laughs> up next, we got a movie from 1986. It's called Truth or Dare, question mark, colon, A Critical Madness. Truth or Dare? Mike Strauber, citizen of an average middle-class community in the Sun Belt, aspiring architect, owns a house with a pool next to a golf course, has a pretty wife he adores, and tries a little too hard to please, a wife who doesn't return the feelings 
about to start a chain of events that will cause the terrifying deaths of innocent people and eventually our own. Sharon! Oh my God! Sharon! Future film made exclusively for the home video market first. Not for theaters. Not for cable or pay TV. Peerless Films presents a first-run home video feature. Truth or Dare. Madness. All right, this movie's uh yeah, it's it's uh got this character named Mike Strauber and he catches his wife Sharon in bed with his best friend Jerry and he gets mad and takes off to embark on an adventure of murder and self-mutilation in demented games of truth or dare. Oh, Sharon, Sharon something all right. Sure. What's hey. what's funny is that I know you read this off IMDb because I'm on here too, and that <laughs> is like that's what someone wrote for this. That's just yeah, yeah. Someone figured that out enough to be able to write them two sentences. That's pretty. He good. gets mad and takes off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought the I thought his acting when he caught his wife was maybe his best <laughs> acting in the movie. <laughs> he does all the faces. Uh, 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 and then he comes back in and goes, wait, wait, who, Jerry. Um, yeah, this is a pretty crazy movie. Um, to me, it had a lot of, uh, what's that silent night, daily night two feel to it. Yes. A hundred percent. I was going to, I was going to mention that because he just goes crazy and just starts just, fucking killing people yeah. mm-hmm. because <laughs> of his own shit. That's whoever in crosses his, his path. It's yeah. just, you know, they're going to die. Oh, I not cool. like me. Yeah. Yeah. So he it's goes a, all Elliot Rogers on everybody. What a <laughs> dick. Just no cool garbage day quotes. That's all. And I'm, I'm sorry. I know you guys are going to shit on this movie. I like this one and it's kind of one of the reasons why I like it. It's just, just a crazy dude going on a rampage. Yeah. That's, that is something, you know, I, I like it better than Sledgehammer. It, I don't love this movie by any means, but at least it's to the point and simple, and I don't have, you can just turn off your brain and watch it. It gives you entertainment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little Whether upset. Whether it makes sense. I was a little upset that when he was in the mental institution and the guy put the grenade in his mouth and I didn't get to see it explode. <laughs> <laughs> you saw it. It does. It does. It, I must have missed it then because, yeah, I was just like. Yeah, because it was a super fake rubbery, rubbery mask head that. Yeah, that the head kind of just flops I up. I, did, I didn't see it then. I need to go back. Yeah, yeah you, you missed it. You need to watch this again, sir. Right from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, this has, they say this has a two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget. Are you kidding me? That's I saw that. Too. Now, now, let's give it some credit, you know, because um, huh? why don't they wreck a car in this? Oh, and they no, burn. That's true. They wreck a car. They burn down that shed. So that they you know, a couple of cars, didn't they? There's obviously there's obviously a little bit of mo- little bit more money and production value in this than definitely Sledgehammer. So I feel like the money was probably spent on some things, and not I just the like director's you know, coke habit. The uh, <laughs> the uh, police procedure hasn't changed much from this movie to like now. <laughs> you just like <laughs> start shooting inside the in, start shooting at the shack and then set it on fire. This movie was written and directed by Tim Ritter, who I do know that is a famous SOV guy. So it was nice to like at least catch one of his films. Yep, he's probably one of the uh probably one of the more famous of the Sean on Video guys. Uh he did Killing Spree and Wicked Games or a couple more of his more well known films. So probably my least favorite Ritter in Hollywood. <laughs> this movie's just nuts it's it really is just a crazy guy going crazy there and there's little to no logic to any of it he just kind of snaps and you and it's just you're like why are you so mad and he just keeps going crazy and then he makes a mask that i don't i guess is cool everything you've said about it is what i like about this movie (laughs) I, i i like that you know everything you know the the fact he's in a mental institution, yet he still manages to have a knife and a hand grenade. Right? <laughs> a hand sense. grenade. I Where's love he, that. Where's he hiding? Where's he or, hiding? Or was that real? Or were they real? I don't the know. People, the two people that this, were in the room. This movie is, obviously seems to be from his from his perspective. I mean, he's the protagonist of this movie, and it it covers his most of his life. So maybe it's a um, it's an un. An untrusting narrative narrative there oh absolutely i think so because i I thought half the characters weren't actually there and that's proven by that campfire scene when he starts to go nuts yeah he has that truth or dare session with the girl who's not really there we know she's not really there so if you set up this kind of storyline i mean it's it's one of those kind of movies where hey guys now's it's our chance to just do any kind of kill we can think of Let's just go crazy. I thought, because you really can just invent anything at any time. I thought the campfire scene was hilarious after he had, you know, pulled his tongue out, I guess, or whatever. And like the Yogi Bear Forest Ranger came up there and said, you know, um, um, Oh, well, uh, I guess I'll go get an ambulance, you know. I mean, I'm not going to think about putting pressure on wounds or anything. He just kind of spun around, well, I'll go get an ambulance, you know. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Anybody? (laughs) You like this Uh, one? Like I said, I I don't know. I, I had some sort of high hopes for this one just because... The only time I've heard of it is when Elijah Wood gave it a lot of praise. He was on the late, late show with Craig Ferguson in 2005 and uh, mentioned it was the first horror movie he saw when he was five years old. Oh my and, goodness. Uh, 
Yeah. It's been because of that. It remains one of his all time favorites. And he's introduced a lot of his friends to it because of this. So I sort of was like, Oh, this could be a lot of fun and crazy. And it's, it is, but uh, maybe I, I had some high hopes, but it also is like that orange juice uh, <laughs> that I drank after the NyQuil. I watched this after Sledgehammer, and it probably made it slightly better for me. So, true. yeah, he is Elijah Woods has mentioned this more than once, though. I've listened to it, at least two other uh, two podcasts where he has talked about this movie. One of which was um, uh, Joe Dante's um, "The Movies That Made Us," where. Oh, yeah. The guests come to the show. They have a kind of like our show. They have a topic, but the guests bring a bring a list of movies to talk about. So it's like the the guests are recommending these movies to the listening audience of movies that that mean something to them in one frame or another. So and even even on that show, Eliza Woods brought up Truth or Dare. Just think, if we didn't have Truth or Dare, we wouldn't have all those cool movies that that's. Spectre Vision has made. Yeah. Uh, and if you're listening, um, I guess now's the time we bring in Elijah Wood. Elijah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. <laughs> that was terrible. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't hate it. Didn't uh, love it, but it was it was fun. It, it's just a fun way to pass an hour, I guess. It wasn't too bad. See, yeah. and that's the thing. You're saying it's 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 fun. Obviously, there's a lot again, a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. And um, you know, even though there is some production value, it definitely still wears its no budget on its sleeve and the quality's yeah. not very good because it's shot on on vi- actually was it shot on video or was it shot on sixteen and transferred to video? I don't remember. But um gross. I know, right? Super 16, I think. Um, but uh, but if you were to mix this with it being like a movie you saw in your younger years, much like Elijah Woods or even me, I rented this movie back in the day just based solely on seeing that cool box on the shelf. It was a box that was just the title only on the box, but still was extremely captivating. It was an all-black box um, with the with the title Truth or Dare um in this like chrome poofy chrome on the cover uh and with all the blood dripping on the bottom of the letters with that razor blade at the very end at the very bottom and so it definitely caught my attention at the video store and i remember watching it back in the day and just thought it was like the craziest thing i'd ever seen um and just the fact that it's it you know what what sledgehammer does wrong is it's it's boring at the end of the day. It's boring. Right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's boring because it is nothing but padding. You're seeing 20, 30 minutes of people, um, you know, doing like what Robert Altman type dialogue where everybody's just talking over each other and it, and it's no, no point to any of the dialogue. And then tons of slow motion scenes, tons of shots just lingering as, on things. As much as that unpacking the van scene reminded me of our film, Legend Has It, <laughs> it still went on five times longer than that. Oh, yeah. Well, and at least still in our dialogue, though, it, it had Surf- stuff to do with the story. They were clearly stretching. It was, all, just it was all just like, here, so, you guys unpack the camera or unpack the van and talk about what you want. But so. in truth or dare... It's it's definitely far more entertaining because there are things going on. It's not bogged down with um, a ton of exposition. 
It's not, um, it's not, I mean, in dialogue form, I mean, there's obviously a lot of backstory going on here and it's not full of padded scenes that serve no purpose to the movie or story or whatever. Um, it just definitely gets straight to the point and is just, and it's just that. Yeah. Is it, is it an amazing plot? Is it heavy on story? No, but it is. A, d- yeah. That's just why I think it, fun, suffers, crazy romp. it suffers the most and it's writing because it's not good writing in, in, in like dialogue or story. The like story. I'll give you dialogue, but I don't care. You know, story, you know, it's like, and that's, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, sure. Scene to scene. The scenes are great. It just, it's, I don't, it's too, I mean, uh, um, it's just shit happening for yeah to be happening, and, and, it's like, and you know what? That's not always that's not always a bad thing. Yes, it's not. I would never read the novelization of Truth or Dare, <laughs> um, but uh, so I, I, I understand what you're saying. I agree with you, but it's like movies like um, Dread or you know Punisher War War Zone, where it's just it's just dumb you know, actiony, you know, like flashy stuff in your face for an hour and a half. And to me, that's what makes truth or dare fun and cool. So, and the fact that, uh, this will be the last thing I say, and then you guys can finish up. But, uh, um, that, and the fact that AJ, uh, McLean from, uh, backstreet boys played little Mikey in the flashback scene. Oh, no idea. Hmm. I thought you were going to talk about how awesome that, that closing song a critical madness. Oh yeah, was. Oh, that was cool. <laughs> was it? No, it wasn't. It was terrible. That's, that's where the money for the production that might went. be. Yeah, I thought you were going to say AJ McLean was the kid inside the baby carriage that got run over. <laughs> oh my goodness, they didn't. That was. That's the thing. They don't pull punches. No, like when that, that awful when that car he hits that baby carriage. I mean, you see it. I think they do a slow mo on that, don't they? And you see something fly out of that baby carriage. It's not like. Uh, you know, they, they want you to know that there there was a baby in there. And I mean, then he backs up and then runs over mom. I mean, just like, yeah, right was, this guy's not fucking around. <laughs> Good stuff. Good times. Wait, so did you like it, Andy? I liked it better. I'm kind of like on the same wavelength as everybody else is. I liked it better than uh, the last one. I mean, at first I thought it started off, you know, really kind of slow with him, you know, just reminiscing about, you know, why his wife would have cheated and just kind of being a whiny little bitch. And I was just like, okay, this is dragging. Can we, can we go? Maybe he can just like, you know, get into convenience store and then lose his shit there, you know, after somebody mouths off to him and then, okay, let's, let's, let's just go. I, I don't need to see waves. I know what the ocean looks like. Um, but, um, yeah, as, as it, as it, as it kept going on, like when he got out to, you know, the campfire, I was just like, okay, yeah, he's just a pair. I can see why she cheated on him. This guy is just, you know, batshit fucking crazy. So yeah, I can work with that shit crazy. <laughs> and uh I also I really like the um the head police guy, the police chief or whoever he was, the, the old curmudgeon guy that I liked him. I liked his performance. I thought he made me he made me laugh. Old cops are but always cool. pissed off in these movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially when you got 
when your other officers are just dressed in a Hawaiian shirt doing stupid stuff for the whole movie. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a fairly okay version on YouTube. So you can yeah. watch this mm-hmm. for those of you playing at home. Yep. Okay, so that is Truth or Dare, Critical Mass. Um, I was looking at Tim Ritter's IMDb page, and apparently there's five of these. What? Yeah. So oh. now I need to watch all of them. But uh, before I do that, do that, Tad, what's our last movie we're going to talk about this episode? Our last movie is Winner's Tape All, The Henderson Brothers Story. actress we cast is Michelle. That was a tough one. No, we didn't cast Amber. I asked her to do this movie because we both worked at Waffle House. In the 1980s, the Henderson brothers blurred the lines between Hollywood and the backyard. And I said, honey, we're going to destroy those clothes. You know that. We told you ahead of time. <laughs> so if you watch the movie again, she's wearing a dude's shirt. <laughs> Though, offset, I do remember her being a very sweet girl and Quite frankly, her funeral was very sad. Now, they're looking back on their work thanks to their biggest fan. You ever just see a movie and it changes your life? These two movies changed my life. I was real obsessed with my legs, too. I like showing off my legs and my body, which I thought was fantastic. I pretty much thought everything was fantastic. And yeah, rewatching these films, nah. You stabbed your last man, stabber man. I didn't even need a stunt guy or nothing. It was all me. Say hello to your family in hell! <laughs> now the blood spitting I love. That is incredibly important getting those death scenes right. When I was about seven years old, I saw about four people die. Uh, like I watched them as they died, and all of them spit up blood, so that's science. These movies need to be out there. I mean, they're such great stories that have to be told. How Todd's supposed to get in my hamburger? I don't know. I do know I lost my appetite again. It delivers. It has a lot of heart. And you can tell because there's this scene where the heart gets ripped out and it goes everywhere. I mean, there's a lot of it. Winners Tape All. The Henderson Brothers Story. A new documentary, sort of. Let's shoot it. I used to be too nice to you. That's how I used to do it? Let's shoot it. Like I was doing a magic trick. I did like that. Remember that? Mm -hmm. I did that with him. Let's shoot it. And then I was like, let's shoot like we're shooting stars together. Mm -hmm. That was a good move. I should bring that back. You've changed, man. This movie uh, is the story of Michael and Richard Henderson, two stepbrothers from West Virginia, who saw an opportunity in the Burgundian VHS market in the 1980s and made their own backyard horror movies, The Curse of Stabberman and Cannibal Swim Club. This is a mockumentary presented very tongue-in-cheek, but it sort of plays as if it's 100% real. Um, to the point where Jason actually had to ask us if it was real. I know. Were you being sincere when you asked that? Uh, at first. I mean, awesome. it was in the first few minutes. Oh, yeah. I didn't expect you to. There's, like, there's definitely a turning point at the movie when right. you realize, okay, yeah, this is not. But I'm glad it, it got you at first because it got me at first, too, when I first time I, I ever watched know. it. Cause it wasn't a real movie. I was going down the rabbit hole of like watching documentaries about, um, you know, about the VHS era. 
and I and I found this one in the you know customers also watched where you know it called Winners Tape All about these guys who made these type of movies. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, cool. Not only is this a documentary about the VHS um, boom, but it's all in the, the collector's market. But it's also about people who've made these type of movies before. And it took it took me a little while before I realized, oh wait, no, this is a mockumentary. Yeah, it's on Prime. And when I pulled it up, I was very excited because I thought it was real. And then I started watching it, and I quickly realized that it was not real. But that didn't pull me out of it. I started watching it and sort of enjoying it. It has some funny moments. I didn't love it. It's probably this, my favorite of this episode, but it's technically not a shot on VHS movie, even though it's about day. shot on VHS right. movies, but it feels like something that would, that you'd see at a film festival. Uh, it's pretty fun and it's tongue in cheek and it's clearly made with lots of love. And the people that made it are big fans. I assume of that, this genre that we're covering on this episode. So it's, it's like I said, it's done with love and respect. And uh, towards the end, it just sort of gets crazier and crazier when they get the budget to make another movie and they've done spinoff movies and, and kids movies. And it, you know, it's just so funny. I was just thinking about that because uh, one of the movies that we watched, what was it? One of them on uh, Joe Bob Briggs the other night, the director went on to, I think the Hellraiser two director went on to do like power Rangers and some dog movie. And that happens so often, like horror directors move on and do kids and family movies and stuff. So there's a lot of uh, funny little nods in this one, but it's a strange, it's a strange cookie for sure. It's like I said, it's a mockumentary, a fake documentary and uh, done very tongue in cheek, very funny. Uh, basically two guys sitting down interview style and talking about uh, the career of yeah, Michael and Richard Henderson. So what do you guys think? I I thought this movie was fucking hilarious. Yeah. I thought those two yeah. dudes, uh, I laughed so hard. I don't, I don't know which one's which, but the, the beardy guy, the longer hair with the fake gray on the sides. That dude okay. was so funny to me. And he reminded me a lot of lip. I don't know. Well, he was deaf, especially when, you're, <laughs> I don't know, especially when you're watching the curse of stabber man scenes. It's, Oh, it's, this is way too inside joke. But <laughs> when she said that, I'm like, Oh God. Yes. All the way down to the shorts and yeah. like trying to flash his uh, crotch at the screen. Just the way he talked. And yeah, it reminded me of a friend of ours. And so, I don't know, maybe that made it more funny. But I, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty great. I, I enjoyed, I loved their fake movies, The Curse of Stabberman. I mean, Stabberman. So it was such a leap <laughs> to Stabberman. And then what was the other one? Cannibal Swim Club. Cannibal it's Swim so Club. Dumb. It's just so dumb, and so which makes it so much more funny. I don't know. I laughed my ass off. It's so and absurd it, to think yeah. that you you can smell a whistle and say, "Oh, yep, yep, that's Todd's whistle." <laughs> right? It's so dumb. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, but we know people like this, you know, that take <laughs> take themselves so seriously and are so um, obsessive over th- little, th- you know, movies that no one else knows about or cares about. And yeah, I, I thought the guy, the bigger brother with the longer 
hair. like pull back hair. His his voice was a little too much for me for yeah. the whole movie. Yes, I agree. But that that accent was but I love a it. little heavy and hokey, but I love it though in the movies though he doesn't have the accent. Right. <laughs> I think they even talk about that. They talk about second. that, I yeah. think, in a in a cut scene <laughs> and during the credits, yeah. But yes, it's a lot. It did and make I, me want to see I piss on your guts, though. Oh, I know. So that's, that's what I knew. That was the first. I mean, that, least, that's when you that's knew, what that I knew it was fake. It was fake. Yep. I piss on your guts. And they're just so serious about it. I, I love all the recreations of these fake films. All that shit is so good. So good. And it, it feels had re- to be fun to make. Oh God. Yeah. And the, if it really kind of felt authentic to me, cause I've seen some yeah. shot on VHS movies that are very reminiscent of that. You know, I, I love, um, walk time when they're talking about walk time, <laughs> because that's a real fucking thing. I mean, they don't cut. I don't think it, I think they're the ones to name it, but, uh, it's a real thing in these type of movies. Yeah. We it's saw it in Sledgehammer. Yeah. I was going to say it's exactly fucking walk time. It's a thing. And I, I love how the, this movie takes place, you know, in the woods. They're all camping in the woods. Yeah. But they never go into, they just stay always outside the tree line. They always, the whole movie takes place just along the tree line in the same, like, 10 feet of, of area. They never go in, the, they never go actually into the trees at all. So I felt like as much as we w- was going to probably yell at you about this episode, I thought you did good by... Uh, sparing us three of those movies <laughs> and giving us two and a fake one. That was pretty funny. So yeah, well, it's it, easy to forgive you. And I watched them in the order we talked about them. Oh, so nice. it kept getting better. And then it, <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I've seen that I've, I think I've done this as an insane's pick before, to be honest with you. I freaking love this. Love this movie. This is probably about third or fourth time I've watched it, which isn't a huge feat because it, what is it? It's only like 60. 62 minutes or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I freaking love it. And I think it's, I think it's just because it really strikes a chord with, well, first of all, I love mockumentaries anyway. Um, and when it's a mockumentary oh, yeah. about a topic that I like, you know, I've all, I've, I've always tooted my horn about brutal massacre. So um, good. Yeah, such a great movie, and so th- to me, this this uh, this taps into another thing for me along the lines of brutal massacre, um, and just you know my my love and nostalgia for movies shot on VHS or the movies I used to make in high school shot on VHS, and um, so funny. I like how every time they're talking about somebody that was in one of their movies, I mean, you know, we haven't talked to them in years. What are they doing? Oh, he's dead. Like everybody, everybody that worked on these movies is dead, except for them. Andy, did you? You haven't said a whole lot. Um, you guys have mostly, mostly said uh, what what I was digging about it. You know, just you know, I mentioned like the guy smelling the whistle and just really absurd. That's that's my favorite walking leg. Um, (laughs) Just. I mean, it's just really slapsticky, just nutty little nutty shit, you know. And um, just the fact that you know they all had to wear sunglasses, you know, implying that they were all high uh, because there wasn't any visine. And um, 
yeah uh it it's very 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 tongue in cheek and uh the the overacting pool owner is just you know I mean, yes. he's, he acted like you know he was the the way his voice was and the way he acted it it almost sounded like it was like from a serial over the radio back in like in the 1920s like <laughs> you're not going to get me this time you know that kind of shit you know um <laughs> And it's just like, this is, this is absurd. It's just like, it's so, you can't take a single second of this movie seriously whatsoever. Um, so, I mean, it was, um, it was, it was desperately needed compared to, uh, the other two films we had to watch. So, um. This yeah. feels like a prescribed film. This feels like something you guys would make. This would totally be something that I I would want to make, and I do want to make. I'm going to make very it. much your humor and style. Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, and I love the dialogue in the uh, in the in the uh, fake movies. This is so awesome. Like when when the when the heavier set brother is giving the backstory to Stabberman, giving the, the legend, telling the legend of Stabberman, <laughs> how, he, would, how he, he ran an ice cream shop and he would poke people with ice cream cones. And then he took it a step further and moved on to a knife. <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome. Ridiculous. And then Cannibal, Cannibal Swim Club, where it's supposed to be the swim club, but it's obviously just some dude's backyard pool. Yep. That they never go anywhere else in the movie. It's just everything happens at this pool. And it's raining the whole time. Well, that really happened. When they were making this, um, it, w- w- it was constantly raining when they were trying to shoot the Cannibal Swim Club stuff. So they just wrote it into the script. <laughs> and I'm like, that is such a happy accident. Because I think it's hilarious that they you yeah. know, made this movie about a swim club and it's raining the whole time. Let's be friends with these guys. I really want to. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's winners tape all again. It's, um, on Amazon prime and it's been there for a while. Cause <laughs> I think I discovered this movie two years ago. Maybe it was made in 2016. So, um, I, I highly recommend it, you know, and if you don't like it, Hey, it's only 60 some minutes long. So you're not, you're not out too much of your time. Anyway, I kind of want to throw out some honorable mentions. Cause again, I do like this genre and I know, I understand that it's not definitely a genre for most people. <laughs> um, it is, it's definitely, there's definitely a nostalgia to it for me. Um, and I, I just, I love that they lack everything that they lack. Um, especially the, the ones I really like the, what I, what they lack in like script story, acting, um, production value, camera equipment, obviously, um, they try to make for make up for it and coming up with the most outrageous and imaginative things that they can put on videotape. But some of my favorites are movies like cannibal camp out video violence is a lot of fun. I definitely highly recommend that one. It's a really cool movie called darkness, which kind of reminds me a little bit of truth or dare. And the fact that there's no storyline, it's just vampires are taking over the world. And, and these people are trying, or people are just going around killing vampires for an hour and a half. Um, dead next door is another one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, 
the J.R. Book. I'm a big J.R. Book Walter fan as it is. And another film that he did is um, one uh, called Kingdom of the Vampires, which is very, very VHS because I think they just used on camera microphone. Oh, no. On that. So there's a lot of hiss throughout the movie. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, Wood Chipper Massacre is a freaking classic. <laughs> yep. It's hilarious. Um, I put Mad Ron's previews from hell on here, even though that's more of a compilation of trailers and stuff. But the wraparound His stuff footage. is all shot on VHS. And there's a lot of the wraparound stuff going mm-hmm. on. Um, there's one called The Ripper uh, about this guy who gets possessed by the ghost of Jack the Ripper. Uh, going around killing people and it's pretty bloody. It's got some like guttings and stuff like that that go on in it. But the the biggest thing, the coolest thing and the most shocking thing is um, Tom Savini shows up at the very end as Jack the Ripper. Like Tom Savini's at this freaking no budget v- shot on VHS movie. What the heck? Um, and then of course you can't have a list like this without redneck zombies. Yep. Um, sorry, Brandy, but I love redneck zombies. Uh, and then there's the sub 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 genre of the German shot on video movies. You know, I love that stuff too. Like uh, bloody moon, yep. the violent shit movies, uh, primatos. Uh, so yeah, those are definitely some that I, I, I recommend if you can track this stuff down, but just knowing this is definitely not a genre for most people. And, but um, we got to educate. That's That's right. That's what it's all about. It's all about educating. And I think like it definitely doesn't really speak to a lot of people who didn't grow up during that VHS era. So that might me also might make it a little tougher. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm telling you, man, like what they lack for and that's, and, and, you know, I know you, you asked me this question on why I like bad movies so much. Um, unironically is because like, for everything that they lack that make those movies quote unquote bad, they really try to make up for it by, by just throwing everything at the, everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. And that's what I love about that stuff. There a lot, you know, a lot of those type of movies are like batshit crazy or they're just full of gore or it's just like a 90 minute ride of, of craziness without, uh, you know, without any story or plot, but you're still entertained for that hour and a half. So, all day today, I've been trying to think about how to talk to you about it, and I kind of, I came up with one little analogy that I don't, I don't know how well it transfers, but I just think about like uh, in the band world that there are some bands, and I think I don't want to say their names, but there's a couple bands that I hear people say, "Oh no, they're not good," and I'm like, "Well, no, they're not proficient at their instruments, and they're not." They don't get up there and wow you over like a real band could, but they're trying so hard and, and they really come up with stuff that you would never see anywhere else because of their limitations and experience. But it's that effort that really somehow makes me like their music, whether it's technically good or not, but I know that happens uh, once in a while, so... Well, I yeah, imagine maybe that's similar. I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't even think of that analogy. Um, but music, that's a great analogy. I'm, I mean, I guess I'm exactly the same way with when it comes to music because I listen <laughs> to freaking Wildman Fisher and shit. But, uh, <clears throat> but it's like punk music. You know, think of all these punk bands that had legitimate freaking record deals and whatnot. And some of them can't even play their instruments, really. You know, but they had their ferocious attitude. 
And it's about the attitude. It's about the showmanship. It's always a bit about the showmanship, but then just some of that stuff just resonates with certain people, Yep. you know, where some, somebody's not going to enjoy, you know, the sex pistols, but, uh, but then there's a lot of people that those songs speak to them or they just, they just like the tunes. You know, they yep. just like the sounds that resonate from that record. So I like that analogy. I'm glad you brought that. All up. right. Good. Uh, so that wraps up our conversation of Sean on video movies, but don't worry. There's still plenty of show to go. We'll take a quick break so you can hear about our network, the prescribed films podcast network. And you can check out all 22 shows by going to the PFPN.com. When we come back, it'll be segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And we are back. Segment's time here on the show. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. Shoutouts. It's time for... Shoutouts! All right, it's time for shout-outs, and I think that uh, today's shout-outs is pretty representative of, uh, there weren't a lot of, there weren't a lot of shout-outs. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't think that the, that's why we're here. We're here to educate and let you know about shot-on-video films, and we did have a few, though, so I'm going to start over on Twitter. We got, um... Attacker Brian Godsill at GSIL84. He says, I can't wait to listen to this episode. Oh, but it's not done. That's all he said. Then over <laughs> in, uh, then over in our uh, group edition on Facebook, Brian J. Godsill says, I have to go with Truth or Dare by Yay. Tim Ritter from 1986. See? We got one. There's a couple more. We got... Our pal, Mike Reeb, the Reebster. He says, Redneck Zombies friggin' rules. Yeah. Yeah, you got a Redneck Zombie shout out. Take that, Brandy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) I thought I'd pile on since you started it. She's she's <laughs> not a fan. She's not a fan of people of, aren't fans. She's but. not a fan of trauma in general. Oh, that's I get it. But, I get it. And and for me, she's tried to rewatch Redneck Zombies and still had to turn it off. And I get that. Give her something better, like Tromeo and Juliet or <laughs> something. Don't do that. Poltergeist. No, see, that's why. Yeah, she saw that one too, and she hated it. I get it. I get it. I, I, I get it with poultry guys they do and then lastly in the group we got my bleeding ears Woo! those guys are cool it's probably larry i'm guessing <laughs> he's you can check out my bleeding ears on the pfpn.com he says the burning moon yes i we did that one on the show right sure like we did 
This is our 211th like- episode, <laughs> and we've done 100 movies per episode, so I don't remember. It's the one where it's like an anthology, but then like the last story, the guy goes to hell, and then it spends like oh, fuck. 15, yep. 20 minutes of just being tortured <laughs> in hell. That's all you had to say, and yeah. that was brutal. Oh, I like that one. You would. Okay, so that's all we have for shout-outs today. Don't forget, you can also uh, give us a call, leave us a voicemail. You can call us, and we'll play that voicemail on the show like you heard last episode. It's pretty cool. You can give us a call at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. And that's shout-outs. Mike, you know what? What? It's been, uh, you know, this this show is pretty awesome. And it's, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, we got so many listeners. We got a lot of celebrity listeners, too. We do? Yeah. I mean, you have to remember the last 17,000 episodes, we had a celebrity guest come and introduce Insane's Picks. I oh, think that's right. Uh, we have a surprise for you today. <gasps> Let's listen. Hey, how you doing? This is Ozzy Osbourne from Attacking the Killer Podcast. <laughs> now, you may remember me from... Trick or treat with Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> or you may remember me from all the other albums with the, the, the Bulk at the Moon and the fucking shows and shit. <laughs> so, naturally they recall, they, they talk about me being the Lord of fucking darkness, but I can't remember a goddamn thing back in the 80s. I just wanted to play rock and roll, so I'm out on the I'm on tour with with, with Motley Crue and 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 and, and fucking <laughs> Mick and, and Tom and and, and Vinny or whatever the hell. So I'm going back to my room and Sharon's not there, and Tommy says I, I shat on the floor. And as I said, I, I started picking it up and started smearing it. Now, now granted, mind you, it's not a horror movie, but it's pretty fucking scary nonetheless. So, anyway, I'll leave you with that thought in your head, and here's insane Mark's picks. <laughs> Thank you, Ozzy. Dude, Ozzy stopped by. (laughs) That's freaking awesome. Oh, man. So, Insane's Picks, for those of you who are unaware what really this segment's supposed to be about, it's kind of, it's me recommending movies that I like that are, you know, not well-known or off-the-cuff or weird, bizarre, B-grade movies, drive-in double feature films, grindhouse movies, you name it. So, you know, uh, movies that I usually recommend, but I think um, you guys are probably going to stop taking my recommendations after this episode. (laughs) But I promise you, this is a good film. This is from 1966. It's called Island of Terror. Dr. West, and this is Dr. Stanley. 
Now we've completed going over Dr. Phillips's notes, and I must warn you that we're faced with a very dangerous situation, Dr. Stanley. A remote island destined for total destruction. There's something running loose on this island. You can't leave me alone. Tony, this could Please. be very... Don't leave me alone. I'm not very keen on going down in that saddle again. Out of an experiment on life came a devastating death. Science creates. Can science destroy? Now, this is very difficult to explain. But there are some creatures loose on this island, and they're dangerous. What do you mean, creatures? I wish I could tell you more, but we just don't know exactly what they are. Come on, let's get out of here. Listen to me! They're inactive now because they've divided, but we don't know for how long, and we can't stay here, so come on! Oh, David, I'm so proud! So Fiction or fact, this could really happen. Are you all right? No! There's one out here. I'm in the car, quick! Can this horror be destroyed? David, hmm? do you really think we can get out of this? Well, I think we, we stand a good chance, a very good chance, yes. But you don't really believe that, do you? Not 100%, no, but I'd like to believe it. Can these terrified people be saved from certain death? Fire, bullets, bombs could not penetrate its impregnable shell. But something did. What? See Island of Terror at this theater soon. Directed by Terence Fisher, uh, who directed a ton of like Hammer stuff: uh, Curse of Frankenstein, Revenge of Frankenstein, Horror of Dracula, Rise of Dracula, um, and we would know him on the show as the director of Devil's Devil Rides Out, yes, <clears throat> which we did on our uh, what was it, 1968 episode, I think it was, Love it. and many, many, many more films. This movie has Peter Cushing in it, so that's awesome. Anytime when you get one of the one of the classic guys in your film. It's, it's great. Um, this movie, it's about this isolated island and the small community that lives on the island. So right away, you know, I'm getting that Wicker Man vibe, right? Um, it's terrorized by these kind of like blob-like creatures. I guess blob isn't probably the, uh, the greatest way to describe them. They're, they're like a stingray that crawls around on the ground, but has a skin like a toad which is like greenish with like warts on it and stuff, but it has this one tentacle, uh, one tentacle that comes out the front. And if you get just touched by that tentacle, you are effed. You are basically have your entire bone skeletal structure sucked out by these creatures. And you are left as this sack of goo 
um, flesh and blood and whatnot uh, left on the ground after they attack. Um, and so Peter Cushing and these other two guys are trying to solve the puzzle on why these bodies keep showing up like this on the island, why people are dying off on this island. At first they think it's a disease, but then they quickly learn that it was like these, this doctor um, who is trying, who is doing experiments to try to solve, uh, to try to cure cancer, but somehow through radiation or whatever, ended up making these like these little monsters that slither around and suck out your bones. Um, so this movie is a lot of fun. It's it's so it's so great. Um, you know, I, when it comes to like some of the British horror films of the sixties and seventies, some sometimes it's like they're kind of hard to get through because they kind of drag on. Like Hammer films, I really really want to love Hammer films, but man, some of those mo- movies are just so just so boring. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but this one is definitely entertaining from beginning to end. Um, yes, it's still rather chatty. You don't get a super ton of these, these creatures, uh, but when you, when you get into the third act, um, you, you, you won't be let down by, by the, the creature stuff. Um, I kind of wish like the first kill right away, there's like, a, you know, you, you guy goes into this cave area or whatever, and he screams and dies and you hear the noise of the monster. I kind of wish they would have done that a little differently. Cause I like the idea of for like the first half of the movie these guys trying to solve this puzzle um, thinking that it's a disease. And it would be cool that if it was like the audience was in on that too, like the audience was right along there with them trying to uh, solve this puzzle. But we know right away uh, from the first kill that it's obviously something, uh, some kind of monster or something that's doing this. So, but the monsters are a lot of fun. I mean, they're not like overly designed or anything. There's a couple moments where you can actually see, um, the fishing, the, the fishing string holding up the tentacle in the air. Uh, the concept is cool where like, if these, if you get rat, if you get, um, um, just touched by this tentacle, you're screwed. Uh, so there's this moment where they're in the the lab where these things were being made and they're surrounded by these creatures. And that's when they discover at that point that the creatures, how they multiply is they split off. They split themselves into two and they do that like every so many hours where they just, um, you know, multiply off into two people or two creatures. And then that just keeps increasing, increasing, increasing their, their numbers. Um, and the, the split scene is, is really cool and kind of gross. You, know, you kind of see it like break the creature break open. And there's like this green slimy stuff, which looks like, and it looks like it's got spaghetti noodles mixed into it. Um, I think it's pretty obvious. It's probably spaghetti noodles, but that mixture is so gross looking. It's really, it really adds to the effect of these creatures splitting off and, and becoming um, multiple creatures. So, and, and, they uh, they figure out that radiation will kill the uh, will kill these creatures, but they have to infect the food supply for these creatures to make the radiation work. So they take all the cows uh, from this uh, from this small farming community and infect the infect the cows with radiation. So the creatures will eat the cows. Well, they round up the whole town into like the town square building or whatever. Um, to try to protect them. So, uh, with the kills, when the, when the monsters, um, uh, attack people, it's fun because you're getting to see an actor trying to convey that this tentacle wrapped around them is alive. 
kind of reminds you of um, in Ed Wood when Bor uh, when Bella Lugosi is trying to make the rubber octopus look alive by waving its tentacles around. Really reminds you a lot of that. Um, <clears throat> but the uh, but it's just it's just a ton of fun. So I, I highly recommend it. Now you don't get to see like damage to the people as they're being killed. You kind of see them attack, get attacked, fight with a tentacle, and then you see the aftermath. Now, the aftermath is really cool because it's these rubbery people. The sculptures on these, like, dead bodies are really cool looking because they look like people with no bones, just blood, guts, muscles, and skin. And they're you know, all with their, like, slack-jawed, wide open and everything. They're really, really cool looking. That, those are, that was probably my favorite part every time they came across a dead body. Um, spoilers at one point, Peter Cushing gets attacked and I actually shouted out, Oh no, that's how invested <laughs> I was in this movie. Um, uh, but the, one of the other doctors saves the day by chopping off Peter Cushing's arm. So that was gnarly. That was pretty cool for 1966. So that is the insane's picks for this episode from 1966 Island of terror. And you can find it entirely on youtube i think scream factory did release this because you know how you can get on youtube and you find like trailers that are produced scream by scream trailer. yeah mm -hmm. so that's what i found first was the trailer but then the whole movie's up there as well so Sweet. you can find the movie on youtube in its entirety in a good in a good quality uh um uh format rendition too um, but then if you love the movie and you want to own it you can probably get it from scream factory so that's insane picks sweet yep and that also concludes this episode of attack of the killer podcast sorry guys i know this was a rough one rough one for you we want to do this topic for a long time and i kept putting it off putting it off putting it off because i knew this was going to be the result <laughs> results um i wish i could have uh um picked a few of the other films for you but uh some of these are just so hard to find unless you actually track down a DVD or a Blu-ray of it. And yes, some of these are actually on Blu-ray. Hmm. Yeah. What's the point? <laughs> so thanks everybody out there for listening. Uh, if you watch these movies, I'm sorry. And until next time, we'll talk to you on the next episode of attack of the killer podcast. Oh no. Could this be the end of? <laughs> attack of the killer.